2: Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionizing the way we look at having a night out with friends. They make sophisticated, non alcoholic beverages that are sugar free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink, and love yourself the next day too. Stay high in spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr, and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by the gorgeous, amazingly talented Beck Finer. Beck was a participant in my last year's July challenge. She is an amazing illustrator. Some of her books include the Aussie Legends Alphabet, which my we'll talk about later. But my kids have that in their bookshelf. If I was Prime Minister, and your successes are huge, so we'll talk about that. Welcome back. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm so happy to be on here. Thanks for having me.
2: I'm so glad to have you. It was really great catch. We caught up recently in Byron. you you were up with friends. That was so great. We went and walked the lighthouse and then did a bit of a nudie dip in the beach together. <laughs> the highlight of my journey.
0: Oh gosh, that was just a highlight. Like we, we, you made me get up really early and I, I, oh, the high you get, I mean, speaking about alcohol, the high, the natural high that I got from that trumped all, anything I've been through with alcohol.
2: It was great. <laughs> it was a good day. Yeah, it was great. So thank you for coming on. I've been trying to kind of drag you onto the show for a little while. So I'm I'm super pumped to have you on. I love your energy. I love everything about you and I love your whole story, but like everyone in the podcast, can you take us back and tell us a bit about your background and when you started drinking?
0: Yeah, it's so funny. I, I listen to the podcast and I hear everyone's journey and I always try and think, oh, is that me? But I guess, you know, as you said, everyone's different. I'm Jewish and I come from a Jewish household and it's, it's a bit of a generalization, but all the Jewish people I know, we don't generally drink that much. I didn't have my family wasn't weren't big drinkers. I mean, you know how everyone talks about trying to break into the liquor cabinet. I didn't even think we had a liquor cabinet.
2: Yeah, right.
0: I, yeah, my dad. They were real sporting people. My dad would bust open his one drink, um, you know, at the, the one beer at the dinner table, and so I grew up. I didn't have that as a yeah I didn't fall into any habits from that I think you know we went to high school and I tried to drink you know you'd carry around those um we'd walk everywhere I grew up in the burbs and you'd walk all these miles carrying your like stollies in your backpack
2: oh yeah I remember those
0: in the free like it'd be winter and you'd be you'd be going to a station like a train station you have to walk for miles and you know with your beers and stuff and I used to drink it but not not enjoy it almost try and get drunk you remember those days we used to try and get drunk and you couldn't totally
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah And,
0: and um and so you know I think back to that to my youth and I also the only thing that I do think comes up is that we did used to have these big Jewish family meals and I noticed my mum, you know, the woman, it was very much the woman put on the meals, you know, it was that kind of thing. And I noticed that my mum struggled with those big Shabbats and those big things. And I and I think, well, I know I could see her sneakily drinking and and she was a tiny woman, so you could tell the effect of alcohol and seeing her actually arrive at the table quite out of it. And I knew what it was from in my teenagehood. And I think... I think that has stuck with me that the way that's the way she dealt with it. And I totally understand, you know, when I became a mother and started doing all that. So that was something that really struck me because, I mean, to give you one more example about the Jewish festivals, we have a Jewish New Year, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just eating. There's no drinking. (laughs) You pass out at about 9 Mm o'clock from food, from food cobra.
2: Totally Um, different.
0: Totally different. But at the same time, you know, I could see the pressure that all that put on her and I, and, and her, you know, that numbing out and not being, a, and having to carry out these huge things where everyone just sat there and expected her to, to feed them all. So I get that. Wow.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that I've got a few Jewish friends, a good friend of mine, Emily, she, she's Jewish and I've gone often to Shabbat mm. with them and, it's interesting, her family, they're not big drinkers. They like a bit of a tipple. And Nathan Kay, who was on my podcast, he talked about with his Jewish background as well. There was was very controlled, like, and it was modeled to him, really, that no one got smashed. It was very, you know, you'd have a little bit with the with with dinner, or um, but it didn't seem to be a huge problem. And that's certainly not what was modeled to him. But I also to relate to that feeling of that pressure. I know that in myself when I'm having like all the in-laws around, or I'll have these big extravagant dinners with friends and how much pressure that would put on me. And before I would have got pretty, pretty drunk. In fact, I remember doing a, a, so I'm going off on a tangent here, but having a dinner with my friends, we had lychee martinis and just getting absolutely hammered because the pressure I was drinking earlier before everyone got there. And then the lychee martinis came out and I don't even remember going to bed. I don't even know how my friends like they probably serve themselves dessert I don't know
0: (laughs) but that's the thing I I think Mm. yeah and and just fast-forwarding I found dinner parties myself to be a huge trigger to want to drink before everyone got there to kind of you know and I think dinner parties for anyone that is going you know questioning their relationship with alcohol you know I try and actually go out for dinners a bit more now with friends and don't Put those huge responsibilities on me for putting because it, it's it's really exhausting. And I know, like lots mm. of people love cooking, and it's not and it's an enjoyment. But alcohol's so related to you know you have those glasses of wine before you put those dinner parties on just to ease that pressure. Mm. So, and, and I think it's so funny going back to the Jewish lifestyle. There is that pressure to have this perfect kind of family and the culture and the tradition. And with that, you know, I can see. I can see all the, the oh, just just feeling a bit overwhelmed by it all, that perfection of putting on this beautiful spread for your family.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a big responsibility. It's interesting too, Nisa, I've just realised in the last year or so I, I used to put on a lot of dinner parties and a lot of that was around alcohol really. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I've been sober four and a half years and I'd still do some dinner parties, but I felt that, I did feel that pressure and I felt, you know, my face would go red and I'm a bit nervous and, yeah. Uh, I can see that. And uh, to be honest, in the last year or so, I don't think I've done one. Probably <laughs> had anyone funny. around for dinner. Jeez, <laughs> I know, isn't it, it funny? As you got older, I'm sort of jumping ahead here, when you were in your adult years and you've got your own family and you'd have, do you still celebrate, like would you still do Shabbat and things like that?
0: Yes. I mean, isn't this terrible, but we still go to my parents' house? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you we- do it, mum.
0: My mom is still, my mum has actually stopped drinking, though, interestingly, because I think that it, we all kind of got a bit, you can't do that anymore. So I feel like mm. but she still has that whole pressure that we put on her. We all arrive. And I'm very noticeable of helping her now, though. I just try and help as much as possible because
2: yeah. I know yeah. what I like, you know. Yeah. When you got older and you were still drinking, mm. were you rocking up to those things and getting a bit sozzled? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was sneaking those in. I'm i I'm a Danny, I'm a great sneaky drinker. I think if, if that was some sort of Olympic sport, I think I'd win smuggling alcohol when no one's noticing.
2: When did alcohol, you know, so you're saying you sort of forced yourself to get drunk and you didn't really like it. When did it become more, more of an issue for you? Isn't it? Yeah. So I was
0: thinking about this. I went to London. God damn you, London. And I started working in the creative industry. You know, I have a background in um, design and advertising. So I was an art director and a graphic designer. And I started going to London and working in these agencies that, that didn't pay you any money but had a huge um, bar <laughs> that was always open. And, you know, the pubs on Friday night where you could be asked, do you want a small wine or a large wine? Um so I started really it's so funny how you can go from not being a huge drinker and then just taking on that going for it really really um living up I don't not living up but just just really enjoying it it's so funny and and I was thinking about this that I used to um get really drunk on a friday night get the bus you know the red double decker bus and sit on the front of the bus upstairs and have to get off a few stops before because I was going to throw up. It took me so long to work out that was not the best place to sit on the double deck. <laughs> but throwing up every weekend—like if you if you threw up every weekend now, you'd think there was something seriously. I mean, now I would be like, "What is?" It's I was allergic to alcohol. You know, that wasn't to throw up from something is terrible.
2: It's so funny, isn't it? Because if you were drinking apple juice. Yeah, on the weekend, and you were you were having quite a lot, and it made you throw up. You stop drinking apple juice. That's what
0: I'm saying. Like you Mm. go,
2: oh, maybe apple juice isn't that good
0: for me. It's maybe I'm allergic a bit to it. Maybe I should stop drinking it.
2: Well, it's like a gluten intolerance, right? And that's something that no one questions. It's like if you if the gluten upsets your tummy you remove the gluten. And when you go out to parties and things like, oh, I'm gluten-free, and some people roll their eyes and go, oh, fuck it, yeah, not another one. But it's not really questioned. It's not like people going, no, just have a piece of pizza anymore. Anyway. Just have the gluten. Just fucking have the gluten. Yeah. No one's forcing you to have the gluten, but you have the good sense to take the gluten out of the diet. And sometimes you just think a little bit in here or there. But mm.
0: that's why I'm thinking about it now. It was absurd how much I used to throw up and not think anything of it. <laughs> that maybe that's an issue that my body wasn't handling it Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so that's basically what happened then I came back to Sydney continued in the advertising industry again like that idea of you work hard and you play hard was constantly pushed on us like I mean if I think back to the responsibility advertising has in my drinking issues you know I just really hope I'm out of it now you know but I I really hope that they're trying to be more responsible because there's a lot of young, young people coming up that again are not being paid a lot, but are being given, you know, you get all the food and you get the alcohol and it just, it just starts with some really bad habits.
2: Sounds like the music industry. But these it's are exactly the same.
0: Yeah, these are big corporations. And Friday afternoons was like at about two o'clock, the drink trolley came around. You know, it would be someone's go to come and force alcohol on everyone, you know, in the company. So it was a, uh, and then a Friday night, I wouldn't half the time remember how I got home.
2: It's like the movie Mad Men, or the show Mad Men. I love that show, but, God, it was quite triggering for me because just seeing him drinking all the whiskey. But wasn't it funny, like, at the start, it's just part of what they do, but by the end of that show, it's really becoming a problem and he's a full-blown alcoholic by the end of it.
0: And you notice a lot of people, it's been really sad lately. I've noticed, uh, you know, I still follow some advertising blogs and I'm seeing people pass away at younger ages and I can't help but think about the connection Mm. and the unhealth. And it was so celebrated that you were a big drinker back then, but it just... I wonder about the connection of, of what's going on and what I'm seeing out there. And I remember going, I met my husband who's also in advertising and loved to have a, a drink too. It really bonded us. I remember <laughs> after we got married, I said to him, you know what? I think I'm going to stop drinking. I think I'm going to get pregnant. <laughs> but- like as a way to stop drinking. I mean, isn't that? Of course I wanted a baby, but I thought, oh, pregnancy, that will be a good way to get me off the booze.
2: Oh, I I've, i had the same thought. After having Aria and then thinking about my drinking, and then I'd think, well, when did I stop drinking? It was when I was pregnant, so maybe I need that. And yeah. I, I, I did actually contemplate having another child so I wouldn't drink. And <laughs> I've had friends that did that, like late 30s, early 40s even, that got pregnant. As a way to stop drinking, and then of course, they didn't.
0: Well, and also, can I? I just say, it, well, during my pregnancy, you know, those people that go, I just didn't feel like having a drink. I always felt like a drink. Um, I'd, I'd have a sneaky one, a beer on a Friday. You know, I wouldn't push it. Like, I didn't drink while I was pregnant. But I have a beer once a week. And um, and when I, and you know, the funny thing is, when you say I'm going to get pregnant to stop drinking, when you when you have the baby, it just comes back. All the issues that you've mm. just come back even harder because you're on no sleep. You know, you're all those kind of things that you're dealing with with a newborn baby. Of course you're going to want to dream.
2: Yeah, that's right. It's all still there. And on top of that now is sleeplessness and that whole feeling of not really being your complete self anymore, that you're giving so much of yourself to another oh, being and you're that, depleted and all the rest of it.
0: And and I my drinking relationship actually, my relationship with alcohol got worse after I had a baby. That was really it yeah. changed into, you know, I was talking about the sneakiness. That's when it it came into its force because all of a sudden when you have a baby and I, I was actually diagnosed with postnatal depression after I had my son, um, he um it was a way to cope. I mean, I went on, you know, medication and I saw a therapist. But it was my way of coping. But at the same time, I knew that it was wrong to be a mother and drinking. Um, you know, there was there was mm-hmm. like, well, you can't have a newborn baby and drink, and you know, I was breastfeeding too, so I had to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could have a wine while you were breastfeeding because they said that, you know, if you, you breastfeed at the same time as you
2: drink, they won't inject. You know, you'd research. Oh, yeah, and calling, like, midwives and, like, Googling it and, you yeah. like, drinking at the same time as breastfeeding because, yeah. you know, yeah, mm mm-hmm. and then
0: And then having that shame. My husband used to be at work the whole day, you know, this long day and you're at home with this baby. And I used to wait till 5 o'clock, you know, that 5 o'clock Time and you go. I'll breastfeed him before I put him down. You know, at about six. But uh, and I'm um, and I'd say I'm just going to have that one glass. That one glass was a very, very big glass.
2: Big glass, yeah, totally. Right. It's probably like four standard drinks.
0: Yeah, and mm-hmm. and then feeling that guilt too. Did I push it? Did I drink too much? Is that going to impact my child's brain cells? Remember, everything in the newborn phase mm-hmm. would be like, have I destroyed my child's? Intelligence with my glass
2: of wine that I drank,
0: my giant glass of wine that I
2: drank. Absolutely, I remember breastfeeding Aria once, and I think I was pretty sozzled. And it was probably one of the only times Ash said to me, "Hey, like I don't like this. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't really want you to do that." And then, of course, the defences in me, rather than actually admit it and take responsibility, of course, I probably cracked the shits. I was like, "Don't tell me what to do, but that's fine." Mm -hmm. But I felt so, 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 so guilty for it, and yeah yeah uh, uh
0: the same and also being really jealous of a man's ability to drink and he doesn't
2: mm. have to be <laughs> absolutely and that coupled with postnatal how did the postnatal look for you can you talk oh, a bit about that god it was pretty bleak
0: it was you know i was going back to those early days and i i just thought i'd be the perfect mother and um and you know i had a lot of support and You know, my own mother I'm very close with and she was amazing. And I was just, it was like I woke up overnight and felt different. As soon as that baby arrived, my anxiety levels went through the roof. Like I wasn't sleeping. I'd wake and just, you know, go and check on the baby breathing and stuff like that. So it it was deep anxiety. So funny, we got a puppy a little while ago and the same feeling came back. That responsibility for a, a, a breathing thing. It, like, slammed me. And I think I used alcohol as a way to numb that feeling of huge responsibility that I was feeding that child. It was all down to me. I couldn't believe, you know, when they leave the hospital and they give you a baby, what, you're giving me this baby? Like, I can't. That's I, just I couldn't believe that I didn't need to get some licence to get a baby, you know. Mm-hmm. I never thought that that whole responsibility thing never um I never thought that would be the case. You know, it just floored me.
2: Did it, did a part of you at all feel like that your life had changed so much now that there's this new being yep. coming into the world? Because I remember feeling that, just like, whoa, my life is very different now.
0: Hundred percent, yeah. Like it's never going to be the same. I adored my child. Like there was no feeling of you know not wanting him, but knowing. You know and as a creative person not having any outlet for that and I did go and see an amazing I, I went to a GP my husband noticed it and my mum they kind of it was so funny when I went to the GP first you know I couldn't stop crying I couldn't get like couldn't get through the day and my mum goes I'm just going to take you to the GP and she took me through the door and I go okay you wait here I'll go in and she goes I'm gonna gonna come in with you so she she came in with me and the job and the GP said what's the matter I go I'm fine my mum goes she's not fine Mm -hmm. (laughs) so he put me on a band-aid kind of um, you know it was a lifesaver that the first time I took the medication it was an absolute like I I don't know if it was placebo but I actually felt like I could function and then I went to go and see a psychiatrist and I say to everyone, you know, if you're going through something like that, go to your GP, get that band aid to to save you, but then go to see a psychiatrist or someone that can actually help manage it. And which has been really good for me.
2: I'm not a huge advocate, but when it's needed, it's oh, just needed.
0: It really saved me because, I, as I said, there was something just different with me overnight. And also, can I say, mm. that go to a a prob? I, I got all my bloods tested and everything, and he put me on medication that actually the lowest amount that I could. So I was on a minimal amount. He found the right one for me. And it wasn't like I was spaced out or anything. I could function. The only thing I do think about, and I wonder if you have any knowledge about this. And he never talked to me about drinking on the the medication.
2: Yeah, often they don't. And sometimes this is a thing that when you go to a doctor and they're just prescribing you that, they're not actually talking about other things that could be going on. And that's why I say it's really good to go and see a psychologist at the same time. I think the aim yeah. is hopefully to get off that stuff in the end. But, yes. yeah, like are you drinking? How much are you drinking? How's your diet? What's your trauma I, history?
0: I mean, to be fair, though, I'm an excellent liar to therapists and maybe I was at the stage mm-hmm. then where I didn't want to tell him how much I was drinking. Yeah, yeah. you know. And I don't and I actually think that, I, yeah, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have told anyone, you know, because mm-hmm. it was a deep shame even be honest I remember going to a therapist when I was thinking of coming off um, alcohol you know a therapist is someone that it's confidential I couldn't even tell I couldn't even tell the therapist that I thought I had a drinking problem oh was- but
2: so many people there's heaps of people I coach that that they haven't like if they've been seeing a therapist that haven't told their therapist And like you should tell the therapist like they're not going to judge you they're they're a professional but there's so much shame wrapped up in this Whole problem with alcohol. I, I just wanted to talk to you about this shame because I
0: really, really it's a huge thing that I've gone through with this whole alcohol journey. So when I, I'm just fast forwarding, when I thought I was having all these blackouts, which sometimes I think could could that have been associated with the medication. I don't know. You know, there's all these things that I think about now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was having these blackouts and I went to a friend that was in AA And even opening up to that friend in AA was mortifying for me, like absolutely mortifying. And then I went to an AA meeting and I was, oh, my God. I mean, the idea of going to that AA meeting was like, again, the thought of someone seeing me there. Anyway, and I just all those kind of things. And I just, it was just, it shouldn't be like that. And... It was, you know, what was great about you coming to your group when I found you, is I started saying I'm doing a challenge <laughs> and I just feel like that was just such a funny, it's just a reframing, but I can almost tell people I was doing it because it was a challenge. It was, it's a really interesting thing, which I've actually started ever since doing your course. I've just done with the shame. It's amazing how it can be so shameful and then it can just go. It can actually, and it's something I'm proud of now
2: it's something that i think that's the great thing about being with a group of people that are on the same journey that you can have the conversations and be really quite honest and it drops the drops the shame <sighs> yeah
0: right which is the like, point of
2: this podcast right
0: yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. so funny because i think aa is incredible but for me it was too much of a label that i couldn't handle mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. it, it is an interesting one where yours felt more um accessible for me to be um, I feel like it was more, nor- it was not, I mean, what is normal, but it just felt, it felt less shameful, basically. Yeah, that's what I got.
2: Yeah. Also, just, just dialing back to the antidepressants, you know, it's such a funny thing that, you know, taking antidepressants, but alcohol is a depressant. I oh, know. You it- know, so it's, it's almost counteracting the point of even taking the antidepressants in the first place. I know
0: and I wish I had more knowledge about that and I wish that maybe they'd say I don't know if you're drinking or not but this is what's going to happen because they didn't know maybe they thought I was a newborn a new mother and I wouldn't have any issues with alcohol maybe that's why I was never warned yeah perhaps
2: I don't know but it's definitely something that should be brought up and I I would love to read more
0: about it and and work out if there was a deeper connection with what was because at the first so when I um it saved me those antidepressants at first. But then Mm -hmm. as, as time went on, you know, I still was dependent on alcohol. And as I said, I went, I was in a career after you have a baby, I was, I was like the star of not the star of advertising, but I was in a really good position. Mm -hmm. After I had a baby, my, um, I wasn't the golden girl anymore. Because yeah, in advertising, you kind of have to do these all nights, you know, these pictures and everything. And I couldn't pull those hours. And I was kind of, you know, it wasn't their fault. They didn't know how to handle me. This was 10 years ago. It's so funny that they still didn't know how to handle women in advertising. It was a very different world. So I wasn't given the work. I was feeling that frustration. You know, I had a toddler and I just was like, I was coming home and, we, you know, we'd have lots of alcohol and I was sneakily getting the bottle at the back of the, like, you know, and I'd, I was having my own alcohol but my husband couldn't see my bottle right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And that
2: loss of identity which can happen in motherhood that suddenly you know you're you're not the star of it anymore suddenly you're the star of this baby's life and that's oh, about it
0: I know and I remember you know going to a mother's group and being mortified to sit with the whole group of mothers like I was like this is not me no one no one asked me what I did as a career like I was this we all just talked about the baby I actually dropped I'm the most sociable person and I dropped out of my mother's group because I couldn't handle that just label of me as this mother and and I would get home after work and I would um yeah and I would not happy in my career and I just have to put the baby you know dinner bath all that stuff and I'd numb out on alcohol I wasn't present
2: yeah some of us you know there's that hierarchy of needs that um, I think Tony Robbins talks about this quite a lot, and one of those for some people is significance. Like some people just have a higher mm. need for significance, and that doesn't make you a bad person or a, that it's someone with a huge ego. It's usually to do with your, your upbringing. But if that significance is important and that's been stripped away, if your significance was through your job or or whatever, and it's been stripped away through through motherhood, I mean you are. It's funny because you are so significant to that one being. Mm. Like you couldn't be more, you are the most significant person to that baby, Yeah, but you're not seeing it through that lens. You're not seeing it like that. And it's like, I guess that comes to with this identity. What, uh, yeah, how we view ourselves is my identity, just Beck, this person who's this star in the advertising world. Well, you know, who am I? When you take that away, it's like, who the fuck am I? And if we haven't done that inner work on ourselves, yeah that's i think that could be when we come undone that's why it's so important to really know who we are and connect to ourselves
0: yes and i think the lowest point um in that stage of my life was when i felt i didn't have significance i always this is terrible but when i was little i thought i was mm. going to be famous i had this like this vision of myself being and and i remember crying to my husband saying i thought i was gonna be more like i had such big dreams myself i mean such an idiot to think that i had to achieve everything by i was 30 i always tell people when i talk about my creativity and my new journey once i'd had these babies and these babies actually forced me to the wonderful thing is they forced me to get out of advertising which i actually wasn't that happy in. it was too much pressure and and discovered you know this incredible new chapter in my life that I never would have I took the leap when I was on maternity leave with my second daughter to do my new career and the and yeah and I never would have done that but oh the 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 feeling of having no worth and with that child it was yeah it was deep and alcohol was
2: the answer yeah absolutely it's such a huge such a huge issue and something to be aware of within ourselves is where is my need for, you know, do I need a lot of significance and how does that show up for me in my, lo- mm. my life? Does that mean that I take over conversations or that I am whipping myself to, you know, to get to a certain place? But mm. it's an interesting, and like I say, it's not a bad thing. It's just.
0: No, no, I I, to- I think about it all the time. And I also think about, you know, um, with my creativity, which is a different idea, but I I was prolific in creating things and I stopped doing that and I think it had such a huge impact on who I was as a person that only until I got back that that I found
2: my true happiness
0: so yeah it it was a journey
2: it's so perfect though and sometimes in that stripping away of everything and going through that journey it's like you're going back to the bare bones and then finding significance again but in another way and something that's actually more meaningful to you it's something that's achievable that you can do Uh from you know I don't know if you can do it from home with a baby but you know and this whole new thing sprouted out of that
0: I always say to people um I basically I think after going through childbirth (laughs) you suddenly feel so much braver and and that's what happened Mm. with me I basically you know that the problems with alcohol hadn't gone away but I got to my second um baby and I was like Fuck this, I'm not gonna wait around anymore. And I started making what I actually kind of got me a publishing deal and all those things was my Aussie Legends alphabet, as you mentioned. I I kind of got this idea and I started just making it. I put it out on social and it went quite viral. And it it just it just um yeah, it was it was amazing. My life changed overnight. I was actually freelancing in an advertising agency and I just walked out. I said, I got to go. I'm going on the television tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, there's some significance.
0: (laughs) Although, can I tell you, I went on the I went on the telly. I went on Channel Seven. I was like, oh my god, I've made it. And you know, in Channel Seven, they've got these windows that people can look in. Yeah, yeah. There was just one homeless guy with the trolley
2: watching me, and I was like,
0: oh, not that, like, not that
2: famous. But isn't it funny too that it was after we'd been working together for a while, I'm like, oh, my God, I've got your book. And our friend Jordo brought it over for one of my kids' birthday parties when we were in Bali. And uh, that's so funny, isn't it, the full circle? But yeah. so tell me, and we'll get more to the the artistic stuff later, but at the crux of your drinking, Hmm. At, at the point where you're feeling the shame you know, hmm. perhaps before you joined the challenge how was it how did it oh, look yeah. for you
0: I know I, we haven't talked about that so I was as I said I was um doing it was getting to the stage where I never drunk during the week I actually stopped that and I was really proud of myself for stopping that but then I was binging on the weekend in saying that you know when people said well, why didn't you just drink moderately during the week I think I still would have binged on the weekend I don't think there was like you know, I don't think there's any moderation with me. It was all or nothing, you know. I would get to the weekend and we had this lane. I remember I've talked to you about this lane that I lived in. I lived in this beautiful community where I had this lane and we'd all go out and have these boozy sessions in the lane. Mm-hmm. The kids were And the kids were having a ball. The kids wouldn't need dinner, though. Like we were just. Yeah, and it was, you know, this lane was perfect for me because I didn't have to, I could sneakily drink. I could go back into the house and top up my drink without anyone noticing and come back outside. So it was just this, yeah, it was this recipe for disaster, (laughs) basically. I didn't have to drive anywhere. You know, I just had to get myself back. But I wouldn't remember getting, I was like, when when we have a joke, I'm called Blackout Becky. I wouldn't That's a terrible name to be to be stuck with. But blackout Becky started showing herself more and more. Blackout Becky started showing herself at a friend's fortieth when um, she uh, when a friend apparently my friend was doing the speech and I was just rolling my eyes and going oh like you know but I don't remember that I mean uh, you know I I just yeah and I was mortified. I'd wake up at three a.m. in the morning with the most horrific anxiety that I wanted to disappear off the face of the earth. And I hadn't done anything that bad. But not to remember anything mm. is the most, it's, the, it's such an awful feeling, you know, to be, and, and I said to my husband, how was I, like if, if he was around, he said, you were fine. But, and, you know, this is the most lovely thing my husband has ever said to me since I've come not stopped drinking, he said, you're so much more, you're so funny when you don't drink. I just think that's such Mm -hmm. a nice thing to say. Like Mm -hmm. your personality is better at wherever you are when you don't drink.
2: Yeah. Because we (laughs)
0: often use alcohol to make us funnier, but I wasn't funny on the, I just get a glazed over stupid expression on my face. So
2: yeah. Yeah. I've got a friend who she's fucking hilarious and she would be funny with one, you know, one or two, but she was funny anyway without yeah. it, but then it would go too far. And then she was, she was just fucking annoying. <laughs> so annoying and trying to be funny then at that point. And it wasn't yeah. funny.
0: I think that one, the, the final straw was, yeah, I went, I think I had a dinner party at my house and I didn't remember anything. And my mom had to come and pick me up and take me to her place because I didn't want to be in front of the kids was my hangover I used to have the worst hangovers Danny like
2: mm-hmm. if you could give
0: it I just and or or sometimes I'd have the most horrific hangover and feel like such a terrible mother that I would take my kids to like a jumping castle world or something the next day
2: that's torture
0: is that like a, what do you call it where you're flat flat what's when you're punishing yourself you know that's mm-hmm. what I used to do because I used to feel like the worst parent in
2: the world when blackout Becky would make an appearance mm. would would blackout Becky be making you know dinner for her kids was she remembering putting them to bed how did that look?
0: No no she didn't remember somehow they did get like I think the Jewish mother and me somehow they did get fed
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, yeah I would I would always make sure they were somehow fed but I wasn't you know and it and <laughs> I'd always. I'd always leave things in the lane or, or do you know what? I'd be the last person standing and you could see everyone else wanted to go home and I just wanted to carry on. Like how embarrassing. And then I would have to avoid those people Mm. weeks afterwards. Do you remember remember the avoidance because you think you've been really annoying?
2: Yeah. It's so that's, that's the worst feeling. I remember once coming back from Bali and we just built our house here and, and invited all the neighbors. I think I've talked about this once in the podcast. So sorry, everyone, but um yeah just having this party and being such a jerk like really being a jerk over the top you know it got smashed and I was just too embarrassed to even come out of the house yes. for weeks and you know
0: what I don't ever think I did anything that bad but I wasn't myself I didn't remember and I just found that mortifying and since I've stopped drinking people go I didn't i oh, didn't have such a bad problem like I've had so many people say that to me and they were like I was like you have no idea first of all the sneakiness that was going on between me you know how drunk I was actually getting and not showing you and also I wasn't myself I knew I wasn't being who I like this the wonderful person I could be and I was really ashamed of that
2: yeah there's something really important in that statement as well when people say to you but you weren't that bad. Mm. That's got nothing to do with it because that's their opinion. What's important is your opinion of yourself that matters. And if you are waking up at three in the morning and feeling like I don't like this feeling, it doesn't matter if Joe blogs down the road says you weren't that bad. It matters how you feel.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, when you want to disappear like that, that feeling when you want to disappear at 3am, it's darkest lowest point of your life and you know that something seriously has to change to like get out of that you know it was it was a really really terrible and that anxiety would last for a few days like it was it was the same anxiety as the postnatal you know it was that same it
2: was all the kind of thing yep Yep. so how many of those events (laughs) did you go through until you were like oh went through a few didn't tell anyone about it.
0: And then I tried to, before I did your challenge, I tr- I did five months of that old white knuckle. The old white knuckle. Old ah, mm. love that. And I did pretty well. But then, you know, as I said, as I explained to people who are just going to stop drinking and not actually do the work, as you say, I'm like, oh, you can't do it. It's too hard. You start remembering all the, the things you're missing out on. Your brain is not that strong to get through. It's all this deprivation. It was just depriving myself. So I did five months before your challenge. And then we, we sold our house during lockdown, which is an achievement in itself when you have to clean the house for one person walking through <laughs> the house. Um, and went, and someone brought over a beautiful bottle of champagne. And I was like, woo! Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? So for anyone that slips back off the bandwagon again, it's such a great, because I thought I could moderate in my heart even when I was doing that five months and it was so good to to slip off to realize I I couldn't like it was it's almost like you have to do a trial run
2: absolutely that can be the greatest gift though in the slip-ups it's it's that realization and every single time I speak to someone that's had a slip-up okay well this can be a good thing like reframe how you see it because it's actually it's like a big awakening of like you know I can't just have one yeah. I can't just have one. It's not going to work for me. Or I can't just have a bottle once. Yeah, It's going to come back in and God, fuck. I had so many false starts before I know. This, this whole journey.
0: Because sometimes you think you've made it up that you have a problem with alcohol, don't you? Like mm. you, oh, murder. Maybe I was just going through a really shit time and maybe mm. I can properly. And then, you know, it was for me, it was that sneaky behavior. I just couldn't believe it. It felt like I was shoplifting or something like that. I was My husband would leave the room, and I'd run over to the liquor cabinet and fill up this glass. And I was like, "Who?" I could watch myself doing it, going, "Who are you? Like, why do you want to do that?" It was like there's almost
2: like a thrill if I could get away with it. When I think
0: about it, Mm. you know, would he notice?
2: Wow. So he's walking out of the room. You're running over, like sculling it down, or how'd that look? Or just top up my glass before he realized, because I was such a fast, I was such
0: a fast drinker, and I love spirits. Like, I mean, wine for me, I could. I actually get bored of wine. If I went to a wedding, I probably couldn't even, I, I'd, I'd lose interest in it. It was mm-hmm. too sweet. It was too, but oh, give me a martini. And I was like, that's basically pure alcohol, isn't it?
2: That's so strong. Yeah. I didn't actually
0: taste it being that strong. Isn't that weird?
2: Yeah. I'm from the girl that
0: couldn't drink alcohol to the one that could just drink, like gin tasted a bit like water. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I remember going to New York to visit Lyndall when she was living over there and we were both still drinking heavily. And I went and had my first cosmopolitan. Is that oh, the yeah. one they have on sex in the city? Yeah, and I thought, well, yeah. I'm in New York, I'm gonna do that. And you know, yeah. because I'm feeling so fabulous about myself. And fuck me, it was so strong. Like,
0: oh, oh. <laughs> and in New York too, like they just give you so much spirits. I remember going to New York with my husband. We never got wine because you could get so much more spirits for the um
2: the amount of money you paid yeah right yeah yeah that's so true that's I'd never thought about that a lot of these television shows have a lot to be bloody to answer for because you know mad men
0: can you just do a whole podcast on the amount of alcohol in television
2: I know, just like I was watching that show a while ago, Working Mums, you know, the lady with the oh, lip. Really and cliche, the lady with the lip. That's just... <laughs> I love her though, she's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, But all the drinking in that show, I'm like, holy shit, like every scene, you know, the mums are coming home and they're pouring wine and pouring wine and pouring wine. I'm That's like, wow.
0: Cliche of the drink and, and how to handle every situation with a glass of wine. I, I can't handle it. I feel like maybe we should start counting when we see it in a show, how many times we say it.
2: Yeah, it would be a really good thing to do because it's just so there. And I'm not talking right Madeline, is that
0: kind of they were, that was that environment. I'm talking about today, like this mm. in today's
2: shows. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. all the time. And like that working mums, it's like as soon as they get home and they're pouring a glass of wine and it's like, fuck, every single like or after a stressful event or, you know, oh, fuck, I need a wine. You know, it, yeah, it's it's sending out pretty bad messages yeah. really. Imagine if they were to come home and pull out their yoga mat. <laughs>
0: And it's so funny, you know, now that I um, I always say that I've, I've flipped it where mornings, you know, more, you're the same, mornings are your um, night times now and the, the joy I get from doing exercise or, you know, all those kind of things are on my on my Friday afternoon drinks, you know. It's, you know, with all this, the exercise, I, it's... It's helped me so much. It is really my mental health mm. solution. I can't stress to people enough how important it is, even if you do not want to and you're not athletic and or just you have to force yourself, you know, that, that just do it, that Nike slogan, it's kind of uh, yeah. got some thought behind it.
2: It's so important in this whole recovery phase of yes. getting out and moving your body every day and it doesn't have to be extreme, but kind of elevate your heart rate a bit, get out, get your arms moving, get your body moving, even if it's half an hour a day, because it has so many benefits for your mental health.
0: Yes. It it really has helped me through it. And before I used to, you know, I used to do this terrible thing where I'd have a big night, probably like force myself to throw up because I didn't want to have a huge hangover the next day and then panic and then go to the gym and sweat it out. And I'm like, I've just changed my whole like way of not punishing my body, but, but, exercising as a way to kind of fuel me and make me a more balanced person. I've always, during, um, when I did have that creative um, success, I really struggled with um, dealing with the highs of it. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've always been addicted to those highs. And, yeah, I've I've had to learn so much how to balance those highs out because with those highs... I was celebrating too much and then i just come crashing down. It was a really, it was a roller coaster.
2: Managing your highs and your successes in sobriety mm. is really interesting. We talked about it before we started the podcast. Like, and I've talked about it before, like when you have a moment in life like buying a new house or mm. a record deal or getting huge success with one of your books or whatever that is mm. and having to reframe the way in which we celebrate and Often doing it with alcohol, it's always like have have the champagne and then you have the champagne and, of course, you have more and more and more and then you feel like shit the next day. And so you're feeling terrible when really you should still be on a high from celebrating your success. Yeah.
0: And also bringing that high to a more manageable, like for me, it's managing my highs a bit more. Like it's too hard for me to be at those huge highs. so. Like my whole thing at the moment now is just to be, it might sound a bit boring and you don't get those. You are going to get those high still, but just learning. I found it too out of control. That's how Mm -hmm. I, it felt too huge. I didn't know how to wrap myself around it. I didn't want to gloat to anyone and go, oh, look at me. I just, and so that's why I numbed it. But now it's like with meditation, which has been really important for me, Mm -hmm. it's bringing my slight ADHD down to a more, Manageable. manageable it's too hard to be on those highs like it is it actually makes me feel crazy <laughs> so yeah. it's it's just that constant is you know when a, I'm always kind of trying to get that middle ground now it's my mm-hmm. my, um, my life's aim because yeah I think I've always been on this roller coaster and it's you know with the binge drinking it's a huge part of that roller coaster
2: yeah, so true. I think for me now, if we celebrate something or if there's been a huge success with something, mm. you know, sort of like feeling like, oh yeah, like really feel yeah. it in your body and, and let it move through. Yes. But come off it. You know, you can feel yourself come off it and you can still really enjoy it, but you don't need to keep that high up there. You don't need to keep it going and going yeah. and going and going because that's not normal.
0: And and do you remember with alcohol, I, I don't know if you were the same, but I'd dream. And i get to a really great place, you know, that like buzz. And I would just try my harness the whole night to keep going and going and going because mm-hmm. I knew that the drop-off point was going to be awful. Like, yeah. I wanted to delay that feeling of feeling like utter shit and my, also my my thoughts coming back to me. Mm-hmm. So I would just try and keep, And I think that's what ended in the blackouts because I couldn't handle it. My tolerance to alcohol was really high, but... I would just try and try and try and to keep going with that high. And it was impo- it was just, I mean, how can you keep going? <laughs> it's it's going to come crashing down.
2: What goes up must come down. I know. At some point it's got to come down. And that's probably why we end up going. Just something flashed in for me there was just that towards the end for us, you know, buying bags of Coke and things like yep. that because you're wanting to keep that high going. Oh, but- yes. It's got starting to start earlier. Something.
0: Starting, uh, yeah, and and knowing that the next day you're going to have that terrible hangover with the kids, I just wanted to delay it. Like it was just this terrible feeling. That's why I was the last person standing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because you're just trying. Yeah, you're just trying to keep it going. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm just getting a picture here. So it was sort of more for you. It was more the weekends. You get through the week, but the weekend just hardcore binging. Oh, yes. Blacking out. Waking wor- up hating yourself.
0: And working super hard during the week, like just mm-hmm. mashing things out. Like people have always said with my Instagram, and it still is my case, I am prolific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that, that for me is me and it, it, I love generating work. I love getting it out there. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe as I, again, that ADHD kind of like manic personality that I love doing it. But, yeah, and then crashing on the weekend and not knowing how to handle it. That was just what it got to. It got more and more of these big nights where I went, I, I need to do something about it. And your, as I said, your podcast, and i would listened to all these American ones and I just found I just couldn't relate to them. It was the first time that you, um, I listened to yours and I felt I can speak to someone. And, and you know, that you gave me this outlet, there was, I could there was some way I could contact you after the podcast too. I found that I was like, oh my gosh, it was, it was incredible. It was, it was just life changing, Danny."
2: Oh, that's so good. That's so good to hear. What was the alcohol doing for you? What was right about it? I think
0: I touched upon it earlier. It was letting me deal with my emotions um, from the weeks. And it was also giving me that encouragement to go out and socialize. I am like I. People say to me, I can talk to a pole, right? I mean, I probably could talk to a pole, but put me in a social situation, and sometimes I was so drained from the week that I needed that like pep up to get out there. Oh and wow! I, I, yeah, I needed that like that elixir to kind of push me out into that social um, stratosphere. <laughs>
2: So if you were to rewind the clock back, if you were to tune, if you had really truly tuned into what you needed Mm. when you got home from the end of that week, what would have served you better?
0: Well, What I do now, which is a yin yoga class.
2: Wow.
0: Mm. Oh, my gosh, for anyone, a yin yoga class at 5pm is better than any martini anyone has ever served me. You know, that calmness I walk away from. I, I mean, I would you think that you're drinking and it's calming you down but it's just it's just
2: suppressing all your emotions and then you'll come out at 9:30 and have a huge fight with your partner <laughs> that's right and you're not listening you're not tuning in and saying what is it i need it's actually pushing you like you said it's pushing you into a different stratosphere it's pushing yeah. you into a place where you're not even conscious anymore so it doesn't really matter yeah. you know but it's it's taking you so far out of what your needs yeah. actually are mm-hmm. And this is what's so important. This is why I ask this question. What is alcohol doing for you? What's right about it? Mm. And then, okay, if, if you were to tune in, how you know, what would you provide for yourself? What do you actually need? And so it was pushing you into doing social things mm. that you probably didn't need. What you needed is deep rest. Yes. Which is the yin yoga. So are you still, are you doing the yin yoga and then socializing or are you, does it look completely different now?
0: Yeah. It's really funny. I mean, I think that when you come <laughs> off alcohol, you have to say goodbye to, um, you know, you don't say goodbye to your old life, but there is a letting go and being okay with letting go and being confident in yourself that you are enough and that your friends are going to love you anyway. You know, I was also a big Friday afternoon with all the mums, mm-hmm. um, drinking with them. We used to go around to different people's houses and and have those drinks and I don't do that anymore. And, you know, weirdly I've moved houses and I was really sad about letting go of my community. Um, but at the same time, it was huge relief of not having that pressure to, mm-hmm. to be out there socialising and being a bit more in myself and then you know at the same time I've actually joined this um this run club so I'm finding these new activities that to replace those old things you know this run club we meet on Saturday morning at six thirty. I mean it is what is that it's so amazing we run down to the opera house there's a seal down at the opera house you know I run down and I say hello to that seal telling it's just an absolute joy um, so I've, I've had to replace. You have to replace. That's why you can't just say goodbye to everything. I work by myself in a studio, so I am quite secluded. So I do need that socialisation. But at the same time, if I do go out and I, I do have to force myself, I don't stay too late. I just have, fill my cup a bit and then I retreat.
2: Yeah, that's right. It's not forcing yourself into a situation where you no longer want to be.
0: And if it you've really survived. Like I could have survived longer than two weeks not drinking. I would, it, I, I couldn't even fathom not drinking
2: for two weeks,
0: and wow. now I can't deal with ever going back. It would just be.
2: Well, now it's been over a year.
0: Yeah, I know. And I did on a year. I think coming up to a year, I did a big. I kind of came out of the <laughs> the alcohol closet and told everyone, which was a really big deal for me. Mm-hmm. It was a big step in helping you know when once you tell people it feels you know it doesn't feel like a secret a dirty secret anymore
2: Mm.
0: and and let me tell you when I announced it on my Instagram I did this big post and I did this illustration for it and I talked to my husband to this sound right that I'm not I actually I'm quite I'm not private on my Instagram but I'm it's the main way I communicate with people, but it's you know I don't show a lot of my family, you know, like I'm just kind of quite like, mm. more of my creative work. So mm. to come out and do that and press in and upload, it was, and I got, I, you, I can't even deal with the amount of comments I got of positivity.
2: It was so well received. It, it was, was amazing,
0: crazy, and. I, it was also a great way of telling everyone I'm not drinking anymore. Like people invited me to dinner parties, you know, you have to go and tell people. And then now like, I just announced it. So I never have to make up those like awkward. They know my story. It's really good. And I just, you know, when I went and dropped my kids off at school, people coming up to me and going, oh, I just saw you on social. That was so good. And, and I also said to people on it, reach out to me and, and so many people reached out with similar issues
2: i just amazing yeah
0: that was a really you know i know it's it does make you feel better but helping others you know
2: what you what you do
0: it's just it's really it just takes you out of yourself
2: (laughs) Mm, absolutely and i just loved how well received it was and it's it enables people to go wow there is other, there's someone out there that was struggling as well. And look at them. Tell me how you feel, like how has quitting the alcohol affected your creativity? Because <laughs> some people worry that their creativity will diminish if yeah. they stop drinking.
0: Look, I was addicted to those. Like, so I would have these big binges and then binges and then, um, and then kind of go really hard, you know, in that same way to punish myself to go, I'm not going to lose my creativity. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: Go really hard on the tools, like you know, and so I was. Look, look. During my worst time, I was probably the most creative. I came up with heaps of stuff. I just don't think I could have. I, I saw towards the end it's starting to um, wobble. It mm. it it, the, it wouldn't have been held up that much longer without mm-hmm. a good like without a proper breakdown or something like that because you can't burn that candle on so many ends. You know, mm. I was. Yeah,
2: something's got to give.
0: Yeah, it was it was going to give pretty soon. It felt like it was like starting to fray. Um, and I, I, but at the same time, yeah, I could I could still keep churning it out, so it wasn't stopping. But I could see it, it coming to an end.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's one thing I wanted to talk to you about because I've brought it up in the podcast before. I've brought it up with my coaching clients. About this time that you had, it was during the challenge where you put out into the group, fuck, help me, I'm feeling really wobbly, because you had a big event that was going to be on this ship or a boat or something like that in the harbour. Yes. Yes. And you were worried. And I remember you saying to you, uh, it's not just the going out and being on this boat, mm. it's the whole getting ready and this ritual of going out and, you're like, doing your hair and having champagne or whatever, yes. drinking along with that. Can you talk to me about that, Yeah, that whole episode?
0: Yeah, so I, I'm a terrific preloader. I am um very good at I was sorry, I was a terrific preloader where I loved having a few glasses. If it was on a Friday afternoon, that would be even better because I love Fridays, Saturdays, meh, Fridays, they're my um <laughs> was my joy. And so I um would so I knew for this occasion, it was one of my first times I was gonna be, you know, I felt really raw and exposed. So um, I think we talked about in the group and I just went and bought myself this whole new outfit. I love that, like, clothes are not meant to make you feel better. You know, you should be um, feeling good at the start. You know, you should feel good within yourself. But I think in those early days you've just got to do whatever it takes. You've got to throw money at the situation if you can (laughs) and, and make yourself feel as good as possible because I just... I needed to get that. I needed to get that joy that I was I was missing initially. I was really missing that, um, you know, going out with my husband, having some drinks at a fun party and dancing. And I was just worried I wasn't going to have that same joy. So I actually rocked up. I looked fabulous. I'm mm-hmm. told that I looked fabulous, which I also <laughs> slightly enjoyed. And then you know the trays of champagne started coming around on these boats and stuff, and I was like, oh, but then I. I really quickly got over it. It's, it's funny. It's that initial, like if you can kind of last for that first initial thing at the party, it's slowly that, that terror starts to die down. You start feeling really good about yourself and not freaking out too much. And then the key is not to stay too long. You have a few while you've still got that energy. You know how I needed energy to go out? I have mm-hmm. that energy, but it's not going to last that long. And mm. so that boat docked at a, at a dock and I bloody got off that boat and I had a great two hours of eating delicious food because I never used to eat any food when I went out. That was my, um, that was my issue that I just used to, not that I, not any eating disorder type things. I just didn't feel like it when I was drinking. Mm. Like would, um, maybe in subconsciously I would think, Oh, I'd fill up too much and I wouldn't get drunk. I probably thought that, mm. but, um, Yeah, and I I felt fabulous. We had some really great photos on the boat. I talked to some people and then I got off that bloody boat. You got off the boat. And it was a Mm. joyous, short experience. It doesn't have to be that all nighter you had, Mm. but it can still be a pleasurable, shorter experience.
2: I love everything about that. I remember asking you, well, what would you normally do? And you were like, I'd normally go buy a new outfit. And I remember there was this conversation within the Facebook group, like, well, go buy the new outfit. And so you did. And I love that, like where you said, make yourself feel good. So if it's even if it's going to get your hair and makeup done, hmm. if, if that's accessible to you or doing your own hair and makeup or getting a friend to do it yes. or get a new outfit, if you can, even if you go down to Vinnies and get yourself a new outfit down like there.
0: You don't have to. Like you can go to Kmart, you know, like I'm not just, talking, just something yeah. a bit fresh.
2: Yeah. Change it up. So, so you've got something that makes you feel good. Yes.
0: And it's also putting on, you know, it's interesting, with the alcohol, it was like an armour I put on myself, right? So I was putting on just a different a different costume. It wasn't an alcohol costume. It was like this, you know, we all, you know, what I wanted to project. And, yeah, and I just think it worked really well in that situation. And you know what's interesting? I don't now need to buy an outfit always. I sometimes do, but it's that idea. It, it doesn't, it, it as I become more confident, I haven't had to rely on it as much, which is great.
2: Yeah. And that's often what happens and sometimes you can stay longer, but also what's so important is just getting out of there. And I think this comes up a lot on the podcast. So mm-hmm. it's obviously a, a a proven technique is to get there and get out when you need to.
0: Yes. Yes. And, you know, and it's also like, it's kind of exciting to do all these first, you know, how you used to always say change your, change your thinking about these things. Like that was that first experience. I'm having another first where I'm going to Bali not drinking and Mm -hmm. I'm gonna change the way I think it's hard but I'm gonna go this is a first like let's celebrate me doing this without being shit-faced in Bali you know Mm -hmm. I had to get on a plane the other day and I loved having a glass of red wine on a plane and I was you know I was a bit sad but then I changed and I thought well I've survived this is a new milestone I've accomplished you know
2: and think about how hydrated i'll be when i go off the plane Uh,
0: you know what's fabulous too when you go out and people will notice this because your skin looks so good now Mm. you actually you when you put an when you make an effort to go out now when you stop drinking you look great
2: absolutely yeah we do so tell me how do you feel now like going to an event or having dinner at your house or going to do shabbat how 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 do you show up for those things now how do you feel
0: Um, I always have to do things before I always have to have some exercise done. I like, I do my, you know, I do my meditation. I do, I put in all that groundwork. It's maybe it's a little OCD, but I I have to do those things. Mm -hmm. And then I somehow think sometimes I'll go in and go, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to, and you kind of fake it. And then you Mm -hmm. actually realize you can actually show up and do these things.
2: Mm -hmm. Like I do,
0: you know, a lot of my times I have to go to do um, book readings and all those kind of public appearances. And I never feel like doing it. And then I pop on and I'm like, I'm in my element. and I And I actually enjoy it. I really enjoy the moment. I sometimes come back from these things feeling quite exhausted, though, and I think that's important to realise too. Because when you don't have alcohol, you don't have that. You can't slip off into that sleep really easily, all those kind of things.
2: Yeah, but you get to experience what's actually happening in your body and exactly. you let it move through. Yes. Ash and I were talking about this because he would drink to have energy mm. and also to come down off the end of the gig. So now it's like actually showing up and he, he does still get the energy as soon as he's on stage, you get the adrenaline. Yes. And, of course, that adrenaline still going afterwards. So perhaps it's some deep breathing or listening to a podcast or just yes. letting himself drift off naturally as he needs to
0: and also the next day maybe when you went to an event that you didn't really want to go to because we all have to do that and especially mm. when you're not drinking it can be tougher do something really nice for yourself in the morning to celebrate like give yourself a go out beautiful for a beautiful breakfast by yourself something that just kind of like um treat yourself mm. because you're no longer treating yourselves in that way and it's hard because no, you still do still have to go on those lunches and you do still have to go. It sometimes does feel hard. You can't just pretend like you're going to have a great time at all these events. You'd be kind of mm-hmm. um, kidding yourself if you are. So, yeah.
2: Because yeah. sometimes the events are boring. So if you just get, you know, and you boring. drink to get through it.
0: Yeah, and then it's really funny. And, and I went to a party and I could just see the conversation dropping and I was like, and eh, smoke bomb. Tell one person and then get out.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Absolutely. And sometimes that's just what you need to do, but you're being authentic with yeah. yourself.
0: Yeah, you know what's amazing is like all these new creative opportunities, you know, I've done this, um, I've started this kind of sub-brand, this little fashion little fashion kind of thing that I've started making. Like it's actually um, opened up these whole new creative channels for me. So I'm making like cool T-shirts and that's called Cool
2: AF, I love, I was going to mention those and thank you so yeah. much for mine. I ah. love it. The cool AF t-shirts. Yeah. I love it because cool as fuck or cool alcohol free. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love them. They're so amazing. And the cards that you've done, you know, that just, yeah. they're so amazing.
0: Like little milestone cards when you're um to celebrate those achievements when you're, you know, the first month or the six months, because I just feel like mo- they're called momentous moments when you need to celebrate mm. those those achievements and I just so it's so funny how you can stop doing something stop but it like opens up these new channels and I love having these like it's it's the first time when I've stopped drinking that I've actually developed myself not creatively but creatively but I've actually developed the most I've ever had as a human being isn't that crazy
2: same oh my god absolutely same 100%
0: it's been the most life shifting thing I've done, and it didn't. It it yeah. And you're and you feel like you're depriving yourself, and it's like, well, I'm not depriving myself of anything, am I? No, it, it's a constant. You have to. It's a constant effort, and I think it still blows people's minds. It doesn't but but you know when people go, I'm going to stop drinking for a year, and you go, oh, so what are you doing? Are you um? Are you doing things like what are your tools? How, and they go, no, no, I'm just going to stop drinking, and. It's there's such a way we still have to educate people about how to do this.
2: Mm. Yeah, because it's your it, half, Danny. <laughs> well, I'm trying. Yeah, well, it's so true that there if there has to be an element of digging in and doing some deeper work. Yeah. You know, God, I'm sick of saying this, but you know. But,
0: but it's true. But you don't understand because you're this is your world. But to the rest mm-hmm. of the world, they have no idea.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it makes it easier and more enjoyable. And then you do start to develop more as a human and yeah. then opportunities arise. So that's just what happens.
0: I know, and and you don't have to read, like, as I said, I'm not a big self-help reader. So I just kind of try and to get the information when I can and I don't have to be the wisest it's really funny when I was coming on your podcast I'm like I'm not wise I do no reading
2: of this stuff and you're like doesn't matter <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly yeah yeah it's just being it's just your experience that we're sharing yeah. and, and learning from and what we've
0: learned from you and it's so funny and you know now I've grown joined the grad group and I love your little snippets you give and I just it's so funny Facebook who ever thought Facebook would be I know everyone's, you know, Facebook, but this, it was such a good way to connect with people when you can't go to a physical meeting or Mm. the Zooms. It just was so, so good for me. It was the right thing to do, especially when I was coming out of my feeling of shame. I remember going to the first meeting with the group and I was mortified I would meet someone there. Now I would love to meet someone in your group, like, that I know, Mm. you know.
2: Yeah, and we're meeting up in October, so that's going to be so exciting. That way. Yes, yes,
0: yes, you're up the road. It's very convenient. You're about two streets away from me.
2: Uh, the Bodfest? Yeah. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah, so I'm talking at this. I'm going to be on a panel with people, um, a body positivity festival, which oh. is right up my alley, yeah. and called Bodfest in Sydney. So, if, and people can join that online. I think it's $25, or they can go to the Bodfest website to buy a ticket and actually go. But that's, yeah, that's going to be really awesome. I'm stoked to be invited into that. So, all right. So, I, I love this whole conversation and this that we can still be creative. We can still get dig in and 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 let our our expression, our, our creative expression, flow. Yeah. It's actually much easier sometimes without the alcohol.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, there was a wild side to me about the creativity. You know, a bit bad girl. Like I didn't like to be that. You know, alcohol to me is like being a bit naughty, and I love that part of my creative life. Like I've never kind of dressed like very conservatively. I've never kind of, you know, maybe that's why when I became a mother, I didn't want to be that person, Mm. boring person. Mm -hmm. And that's—it's always been that kind of reckless side of me. But um, do you know it's—it's so annoying when you get older, you—that anxiety creeps up on you, and it's out of your control. It's, it's really funny I would never've had that I mean lots of kids have that anxiety when they're younger, but for me the the weight of the responsibility and the creativity it just was never gonna
2: work together well with alcohol mm. how do you show up um you know you're saying you like to be a bit edgy mm. you know and how do you show up with that edginess now that you're not drinking because yeah
0: yeah I do you know what's so funny is now that I'm not drinking I've had to be a lot more um maybe myself I've had to be really yeah I just I'm kind of coming to terms with who I am you know what I look like this 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 so I'm kind of just like a bit screw it lately
2: yeah yeah
0: just like fuck it like I I am who I am and maybe that's my edgy side like being really legitimate and like who and and not having to be another thing great about getting older is you don't feel like you have to be so cool in that way like I don't have to be hanging out with the coolest people anymore but it you know all that kind of stuff so you just start feeling more yourself so that's kind of I think how I feel
2: I think authentic is the new edgy I was I was like what is the word I'm going for authentic (laughs) yeah and I I mean the word gets thrown around a lot but I think real authenticity is the edginess now fuck yeah
0: yeah it is like I'm just a bit, and I think really, I know this sounds so stupid, I go back to that post where I put myself out there and I was really raw and honest, and it's like I kind of felt quite wild doing it.
2: It's probably Talk about significance and edginess. I mean, there's nothing, I mean, there's that moment, you get that moment to shine in that significance of, hey, I'm doing something outside of the norm. Yeah. And that's that's my edginess, that I'm, you know, it's my act of rebellion is this sobriety. Yeah, I know. It is because... Um yeah, and yeah, I love going and saying I don't drink now. It's kind of my it's it's yeah, I like I like it. it's a bit dropping a bomb and not really caring. I feel the same. I feel like it gives me that edge in that I'm doing something so different than no one else is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Finish this sentence for me. Sobriety is my new life. Great. Alcohol is fake. Alcohol took my happiness away. Sobriety gave me. Authenticity. There you go. I love (laughs) it. Thank you so much. And if I was to ask you how you're feeling right now, how do you feel? How does it feel inside Beck right now, this instant now?
0: I feel so... Can I say, talk about anxiety and stuff, I was nervous to come on this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to be, and I feel so liberated and so happy that I get to talk to you about this. I feel like, God, how lucky are we that we, I'm able to, you know, access this type of, I was able to access this type of service. Mm you know go on this challenge I mean so many people don't have those opportunities and Mm -hmm. you know and and I just feel really grateful that my life is where it is at the moment and yes I said I'm gonna just strive for that no more roller coaster that happy medium even when I work walk out of this I'm gonna feel high and I'm gonna feel a bit drained at the same time you know that kind of that's what I do. I go high and then I feel drained and I'm going to practice that
2: that calm, mm-hmm.
0: I'm trying to invite too much chaos into my life.
2: I think it's really beautiful what you said. It's just feeling the high and feeling into that and then feeling into that drop-off point too, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. that's okay
0: to feel that and and to go to a quiet place and learn learn how to be in that quiet place and... You know I've always been a people pleaser, I've always been someone that doesn't like those moments of silence has to fill those spaces and I give too much for myself. and the result is, you know, I am I get really drained and mm. that alcohol played a huge part. Mm-hmm. So I'm it's still learning about it though, God, you know, I'm still learning.
2: So beautiful, Beck. And if you could go back and talk to, you know, Beck, first time mum, newborn baby, struggling, oh, what would you say to her?
0: I think about her all the time. And I also think about Becky struggling in her 20s to find who she really was. Like, I, lived, I just feel like saying, and I say this to anyone, you can be, you know, what I am now is I feel really fulfilled with what I'm doing at the moment. And it doesn't just have to be work, but it can be anything. And my, all these things, these, you know, successes, if you call it all, they they came a bit later. And I just like would just say to her, just hang on. We're going (laughs) to, this is not who you are currently. You can always change. You can do something when you're 80 or 90, you know, look at some amazing people like Jane Fonda and all those people out there. It's like, just don't be, I, I was just so dejected at a stage and I just wish I could see what it was coming to me in the future, how amazing it was. Even when I was probably going to go down a worse alcohol, like, you know, I was going to have more problems with alcohol and all those kind of things. I was just going to come out that other side.
2: It's, it's so true that you don't know what's around the corner. Ash says this all the time. You don't know what's around the corner. So hang on. It's not going to feel like this forever.
0: It's not. And, you know, you don't, and, you know, to all those people who are listening in the Tw- why do you have to achieve everything in your twenties? It's just so ridiculous that like, because there's just, we get better. And, and also I finding hormonally, I'm also balancing out a bit as I get older too. It's like a nice thing as I enter my forties and you know all that kind of thing. So, I mean, I know I've got to go through menopause.
2: I just feel like I'm softening a bit. It's great, you know? Yeah, that softening is so beautiful. Thinking about myself three and a half years ago, I had no idea. Not even the slightest inkling that I'd be here doing this well. work that I do, and so I started this whole new life for myself at the ripe old age of you know forty two, and
0: I had no idea. Like, I imagine someone had told you, and this is how, how like, yeah, that you are exactly the same as me. If someone exactly, and you just you just don't know. And how happy are you now? I mean, I know you've got your ups and downs or whatever, mm-hmm. but you're doing what you want to be doing.
2: Oh, it's so amazing. And then I think, gosh, what will I be doing when I'm 50? But mm. if we are open to the things that are presented in front of us, which alcohol can kind of cloud us and we don't see or sometimes we yeah. don't look beyond. Yeah. So that's one of the beautiful things. We, I don't know, just being open to what's, the, what's being presented. And,
0: you know, when I got any, um, when I was, um, I had a really bad, moment um during lockdown where one of my books there was an error in one of our kids books and I I was you know I was I wasn't sober yet and it like smashed me like I was in therapy but it was you know they had to pull 10,000 books off the shelf across like it was it wasn't and and I blamed myself and it actually was a whole heap you know there's a whole team that goes to doing this right Mm -hmm. And it floored, and I couldn't, I couldn't cope. And now I look back, and if something happens, yeah, I'll be totally flawed, but I think I will just at least have a clear mind to deal with it. And mm-hmm. I, I can't deal with it with all those other layers of, of drinking here everything around it, you know? It's no, really, it really is. I, I kind of have that, not confidence, but that I just feel just less anxious and, and, more assured that I can do things, you know, and I can get through things.
2: Yeah, more capable. And you can kind mm-hmm. of take that responsibility and step into your adulthood and go, your adult self and go, I got this, I could deal with this. And it's yeah. not gonna it's not gonna kill me. It's not gonna take me down. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but yeah. I can handle so it. Going
0: through what I've gone through with this journey may has made me realize that.
2: Yeah. It's funny, alcohol <laughs> it's, to quote my Jewish friend, you know, it's makes life, oy vey. You're, you're schlepping, you're schlepping. <laughs> you're schlepping alcohol. Oy vey.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's mashugana. That means it's crazy. Um, <laughs> mm,
2: and the schlep yeah. is real, you know, when Whoa. you've got the rocks in your backpack, as Ash says, and yeah. you're schlepping up the fucking hill yeah. and then you get rid of the, the, the rocks in the backpack and then what's the Jewish word for not schlep? <sighs> No,
0: it's actually really funny. There's only complaining words in the Yiddish language. <laughs> it's really funny. It's, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of, oh, my God. <laughs> That's who we are, but we own it.
2: <laughs> That's why we're so funny. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Beck Finder, I could talk to you all day. You're bloody amazing and oh. you're just incredible. Your whole journey has been such an awesome thing to watch and,
0: I'm going to come nude swimming with you soon, Danny. Let's do it again. I'm up for it. (laughs) You put a part of your challenge. And then at the
2: end, you have to go nude swimming with Danny. (laughs) (laughs) That is so creepy. (laughs) Cut that out. That's that's staying in. (laughs) So funny. Uh, oh uh, thanks beck um amazing you're amazing and if anyone wants to check out what you do go to beck finer illustrations underscore illustrations
0: beck Bec finer underscore illustrations and yeah uh, yeah and if you're creative i love connecting with creative people and if you're going on this journey i think a lot of people would have related to <laughs> the experiences in the creative world and i'm really happy to talk me and we can chat and
2: yeah. oh, you're amazing good on you mate awesome Thanks, Danny. Enjoy your yin yoga. Namaste. <laughs> See you, mate. Bye. Bye.